Good afternoon. I'm Jimmy Kim, and you are tuning in to the greatest show on the planet, The Jimmy Kim Show. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Pete Olson. Pete Olson is a former U.S. congressman, a decorated Navy veteran, as well as a lawyer by trade. And today, he will be sharing his incredible story with us. So tune in, and you don't want to miss this. All right, so we're going to go ahead and start, Pete. Can you go ahead and start with some background about yourself? Well, Jimmy, thank you so much for having me. A special, special day to be at Radio in the Bag with my friend Jimmy. Woo! Uh, woo! <laughs> and uh, first, before we start to remind people, there is a tropical storm about to hit us tomorrow. There'll be some flooding, isolated, not massive flooding like Harvey, but flooding. Please stay home. The schools oh, are yes. all closed tomorrow. Don't drive. Binge watch. Binge watch this show. Yes, binge watch our show. Watch. <laughs> watch it over and over because you're going to be trapped at home. Another binge watch thing, the Texans had a great game yesterday. Watch that game over and over and over. We destroyed the Jaguars, destroyed them. So stay home, be safe. Uh, thank you for the time on this. I love being with you on air here. You're what makes America so great. And I'm an example of how America is so great. I mean, uh, I was born to a middle-class family. My fa mother and father grew up in Chicago, Illinois. They're Yankees, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my dad joined the Army. I was born at Fort Lewis there in Washington State. He was transferred for a paper company to Wisconsin, Ohio, North Carolina, Alabama, and then came here to Texas, Pasadena. All that by the time I was nine years old. And then God said, Pete, you're gonna stop moving you're going to become a Texan. So I went to Clinic High School, graduated there in 1981, went to Rice University, go Owls. The Cougars did some damage to us this past weekend. Good game. Cougars. I saw that. Congratulations going to the Big 12 and bring us with you. Um, and then went to law school in Texas. But then as you read from my resume, my whole life, especially growing up by, by the Johnson Space Center, lived a mile and a half in it. Went to school with astronauts, kids. You know, walk in the house and said, that guy's walked on the moon. That guy's still in the space station. Very nice. It's it awe-inspiring. And so my whole life I wanted to be an astronaut, but never was willing to make the commitment because it takes at least 10 years of your life to get through all the hurdles till they think about you. And so after law school, I decided, it's, God said, dude, if that's what you want to do, take a shot. I'm with you. So I did. I never practiced law. I got the license, passed the bar, but never actually practiced law. Didn't use my computer science degree rice for anything other than a nice diploma <laughs> and joined the Navy. And uh, nine years later, I left the Navy. Um, I was a, a pilot of a, what's called a Papa 3 Orion, a P3 Orion, a submarine hunter of the old Cold War days. And Jimmy, the Navy did some bad things to me. They made me live in Hawaii for three years. Can you believe that? The out of Oahu, Barbers Point Naval Air Station, that was my home port for three years. Two deployments, one to the Western Pacific, the uh, Japanese, Chinese area, and one to the Persian Gulf in 1994. Was sent back to, to the stateside, to D.C., worked on the Joint Chiefs of Staff as an intern for one year. And that's how I got on the Capitol Hill. The Navy has a liaison office there. Uh, Navy liaison I was one of four officers there to represent the Navy in Congress. And that can be exposed to Congress. Uh, after my first child was born, my daughter Kate in 1997, my wife and I decided it's time to go home because if I stayed in the Navy, I'd be at sea for probably two and a half years of the first four years of her life. Two, it's a long time. Yeah, two bigger price yeah. to pay. So left active duty, but got a job for Phil Graham for his last four years. He was replaced by Senator John Cornyn, was his first chief of staff. And then out of nowhere, the hero of this district, Tom Blay, resigned. He'd been there for like over 20 years. My home district is up right. for, for anybody who could win the election. And my wife and I talked and said, let's give it a shot. I don't recommend going through 11-person primary. It's not very fun, but got through oh, that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That was really competitive. Yeah. And then won the election gets incumbent Democrat by about four points. So, of course, we had Hurricane uh, Ikit right before that, too. So lots of challenges. But I want to thank the people of Texas 22. I was so proud to be their voice of vote in D.C. for 12 years. It's such a great, great district, the most diverse one in the entire country. That's our great strength. Oh, very nice. So, yeah, I didn't know that that race was as competitive as the previous one where Sheriff Troy Nils ended up winning as well. Because that, in that election, they also had about, I think there were 14 or 15 candidates yep, yep. as well. And then even when you were running, it was very similar. Very good. Pete, can you tell us more about the 
<clears throat> the P3, that plane. Because yeah. when you say P3 Orion, most people out there, they have no idea what that is. So I, and that's an anti-submarine yes, uh, yeah, plane. It, it's, uh, it's a crew of 12. It's a rather large plane. It doesn't land on aircraft carriers. People think, hey, Navy guy, tail it. No. no it's um, too big. Too big. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a turboprop engine, which is more efficient down low. Because this hunt of submarine, you have to drop out what's called buoys. We drop buoys in the water. Uh, we can carry 84 of those things. Uh, most of them listen. Some can go active. We call it active. Go ping, ping, ping. Hunting a submarine, your big weapon is noise. You try to find noise they're making and track that noise without them knowing. Don't hear your noise. We is that t- with sonar? Yeah, with, that no, with those buoys. Yeah. Those buoys. Yeah, those the, buoys. The buoys. It has sonar technology in it. Yeah, some okay. the ones that list they're called die casts, and die far are the ones that listen. Die casts the ones that ping. We hope the die the die far ones that listen are the ones that track the sub because then we they don't know we're tracking them. If we hit Very a ping, nice. they know. Okay, got just got pinged. There's somebody above us. And so if we do our mission right, we're tracking them. We're out there for four hours, get a crew of 12. You can only fly for about four hours of time. They make you get out, and there's a little place you can just sit in the back of the plane. And if we attack to me, this is a cool part. We drop down to 200 feet. And oh, that's open really our bay, close to open the water. Open our bay, yeah. bay doors. We could carry eight torpedoes, and we drop one out. Ideally, we drop across, drop down to hit it, sink a submarine. Never do this great thing about the Cold War, never became the hot war, but... We are prepared to die, come down to 200 feet, open our bomb bay doors. Hopefully, as we fly over the, the submarine, the Russian submarine, there's a little stinger thing on the tail. It looks like some sort of weapon. It just basically detects anomalies in the magnetic field of the Earth. A big metal boat makes a big anomaly. So, hey, that's a, you just flew over a submarine. So, ideally, we fly over, and the guy in the back says, mad, mad, mad. We just flew right over that submarine. Weapon away. Bomb bay's up. Yank that plane around. Come back for another strike. Had a great, great mission. Being land-based had its benefits because we could go and get off the boat. Because <laughs> being on, you mentioned being on a submarine and aircraft carrier, that's a tough, tough life for those kids. But I love flying. The great thing about having a crew, too, is we're exposed to people from all over the country. I mean, with one common bond. We want to one common them. mission. We want yeah. to defend this, Absolutely. Co- yeah. defend this country through thick and thin. So those moments must have been pretty intense and, and high pressure when you got that close to those submarines. That, yeah. That's incredible. We never got tracked to Russia because we beat them. The Cold War is over. But we were jumped by a couple um, Sri Lankan fighters. We were up there looking for some missiles coming from China to Iraq through violating the sanctions. And they jumped us. That was a little scary because our weapons of fire, fight a fighter was basically throw chicken bones out the free fall chute because we had nothing to shoot a plane down. Yeah, you have to be escorted by a yeah. fighter. Yeah. Fighter plane. Yep. Yeah. And then we fought. We're going over the Persian Gulf one time, and the Russians had given the Iranians these new great diesel submarines. They're very quiet. We had to retract one. We're flying up a ship. That's not a commercial ship. What is? That's a military vessel. There's two of them. <gasps> the submarine's right there. The kilo is right there. But as per we kind of do these days, we whipped out. We didn't get to track it. They said, "Don't bother those guys." I want to bother them. Drop okay. <laughs> drop a weapon, but drop the track them. Let them know we're. A bear considered baby watching you, but we just stayed tracked and of course they're yelling us, American aircraft, American aircraft, veer off, veer off, go away. And we just didn't hear it for five or ten minutes. We said, eh, sorry guys, international airspace, we're complying by the law. <laughs> Out. Yeah, I bet you have a lot more crazy and intense stories similar to that. But And I also read in your, your resume, Pete, that the crew that you were working with was had one of the best ranks for anti-submarine Warfare, is that correct? Yeah, they anti-submarine yeah, defenses. They, called, they like Texans, called, called the ASW Rodeo, the anti-submarine rodeo. And so my crew, they put, we had six squadrons of P3 in the West Coast. We had this competition in a similar, so we had the same scenario, and we won it. So very my squad nice. was the best squad. Yeah, top. Yep, top squad in the whole That's so cool. I felt we're very proud of that. It wasn't me. It was guys in the back. I just flew where they told me to go. It was the whole team. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because if they don't have you, they can't, nobody can fly the plane. Exactly. <laughs> And yeah, we also Pete, we also share a common bond with having a we have a passion for navy vessels. We were talking about that earlier. I mean, I like all types of military vessels, but I, I have been in a submarine as you have several times. Have been on an aircraft carrier, have been on a battleship, and I've always been fascinated. And we're talking about the battleship actually in Houston, in, in East yep. East Houston. Yeah, that's an incredible uh, ship to to go visit. It's called a dreadnought, Jimmy. It's a class, yes. yeah, class from the old British Navy in like 1900. The first big armored battleships, 
and are ours last survived one the entire world. The Texas fought World War One and World War Two. I mean, she was that's right. wasn't at Pearl Harbor. She was on the East Coast. But then uh, the war started and realized she was a little too slow to keep up with our aircraft carriers. So she didn't come to the Pacific. She stayed on the, the East Coast. But she protected the, our guys going across the convoy, convoys, the supplies. She was off in D-Day, June 4th, 19, June 6th, I'm sorry, 1944. And Ted Poe, my former colleague, his dad was there. And he said, I got inspired because I saw my battleship bomb the heck of those Japanese. Boom. Because they started firing late at night. They landed about six in the morning as the sun came up. And uh, Virgil Poe says that Virgil said, saw this big boom, this big fire flash. Goes, that's my battleship, baby. I bet. Yeah, just, and that was, you know, throwing a base, a Volkswagen, 40 miles or 30 miles hit the German batteries. And yeah. again, a great ship. She's still down there off of San Jacinto by the battlefield, but she's going to be towed away. Because she's been in the water now for about 100 years, so lots of issues with rust and corrosion. So they're getting her out of the water, fixing that, and bringing her back. Yes. That, <clears throat> yeah, I haven't seen Tenpo in a long time, but, uh, yeah, I didn't know his father was in, involved yeah, in that. Yeah, his father's Virgil, yeah, Virgil Poe. Yeah, I hope that they get that ship fixed and they can keep it Amen. as an open museum. Because when I visited that ship the first time, I was mesmerized by how, like, grand it is and enormous and powerful. Jimmy, she has history too. She was the first ship to actually have a takeoff off of a ship of, of an airplane. They launched oh, off that's one, right. launched off one of the turrets, turret number three, right in the middle of the whole ship. I don't know how they did that, but they made some contraption where they put the plane up there and shot it off. And so the Texas started aviation in the Navy. Yeah, that was pretty much the first that, pseudo aircraft carrier. Yeah, the, the <laughs> they first, launched the ship. The first on cat that. shot, so to speak. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yep. All right. I know that you you talked about your uh, career and as a U.S. representative very briefly. Can you tell us more about that tenure? Because you were there for over ten years. Was it eleven years that you years, were there? Twelve years. Twelve years. Yeah, 12 years. So you were there through the presidential terms of uh, Donald Trump and Barack Obama. That's yeah. correct. Right? I got there for the last seventeen days of George W. Bush's term in office. Okay, so you were there for George Bush's as well. Okay. Yeah, we, Congress was sworn in on the third of January of the election year. The president sworn in on the twentieth of January. So. But President Bush had pretty much, he was going home. He was finishing up. Yeah, never saw him. I worked with President Obama for his eight years, Obama for his eight years, and for President Trump, four years in office. And very different men, obviously, uh, different parties. But all three are pretty different. All three are very different. But, uh, you know, they're all just, they love America. One thing that has been sort of destroyed, too strong word, but people in D.C. now, even in Austin, all the governments across the country, if you're from another party, you're vilified. Some people Absolutely, your party think you're, you're a bad yeah. American, you hate this country. Jimmy, no one I've served with in Congress hates America. Now, they may want to go down a different road. I want to go down way different. With spending money, for example, on the Green New Deal or whatever, on defense, we disagree. But it's, it's not because they, we hate each other, it's just we have a lot of disagreement. And that makes our country so great. These founding fathers with the Constitution I carry, want us to debate fight, nice. wars, fight wars with words and that's what we got to do get back to fighting with words not using angry words but words of respect make your point make it strong but don't say you're a bad person because yes. you disagree they're not bad people yes i agree i i see that coming actually unfortunately from both sides where yep, people yep. start resorting to personal attacks which I don't think it's a healthy way to be as a an elected official or a politician. Uh, I don't do that personally. And Pete, I don't think you would resort to nope, something nope. like that. It's nope. it's it's sad too because, for example, on my last committee in Congress, Energy and Commerce, had uh, Joe Kelly from the Great Family was on was a Democrat on my committee. And he was just sitting there talking one day, a late night markup, just kind of shooting the breeze, which is good, and just just talking like two guys. And he said uh, the media is just terrible. I'm like, whoa. Conservatives tell the ones to say the media is terrible, the fake news type stuff. And he said, um, Pete, they were so bad. If my great uncle that my party reveres, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, came back today, he'd be too conservative to get our nomination. Hmm. He fought the Cuban Missile Crisis. He spent money going to the moon, all that money instead of spending here on the moon. And he'd be, he lowered taxes. He's a dang conservative. Imagine that. Yeah. He'd never win. And I said, same thing on my side of the aisle. We idolized the great Ronald Reagan, peace through strength. But Ronald Reagan gave amnesty to three million Mexicans with his program in 1986. He increased our debt. He'd be, right now, tax and spend Democrat. 
That's crazy. Mm. Both these people were their parties. But that just shows how far we've drifted from our values. Yes. And someone's got to get the back. I know what the answer is. But we have to respect people and just feel like, listen, we disagree. That's fine. But let's go forward. Like Reagan and JFK did. Once they lost a battle, they regrouped. They fought the battle again, but wasn't out of spite, out of anger. It was out of what they thought was right. Got to drop the spite and anger out. Yes, I like that. It's because this is how I operate. I, I treat others the way I want to be treated. So I'll show respect to everyone. Before we put that up, can I, can I see that real quick? Oh, yeah. If you don't mind. So here it is, ladies and gentlemen. This is Pete's Pocket Declaration of Independence and in the Constitution of the United hey, States of America. Jimmy, open I, I love it. Check out who signed that. Look on the inside, the first page who signed it. This gets kids stuck all the time when I talk to middle school. John Hancock? Yes, John Hancock signed my Constitution. The kids oh, my go, goodness. Really? Uh, they go, oh, that's... That's something, the paper they had, they had plastic. How what is that? Well, that's John Hancock, who lived in Great Greatwood before he passed away a couple years ago. But that's actually John Hancock's signature. Not the really? John Hancock, the decoration, but John Hancock from Fort Bend County, Texas. Gotcha. Well, look, I'm, I'm so happy you brought this out and, and shared this with us because I am a big supporter of this <laughs> this book right here. I know it's small, but there's a lot. there's so much in here, so much greatness. And so much that our founding fathers put into that, and it, I've always supported that. Exactly. The thing, the thing, the best words to be I've got to get my glass on. But this, the Tenth Amendment is the one that I think is all what this document's about. It uh, was the last amendment because they said, okay, we've done all these things, great things, but one final exclamation point: of what we're trying to do as the founding fathers. And I'll read it. Yes, okay please share. Yeah, I've always called myself a, a supporter of the Constitution and our Bill of Rights. Can't go wrong by doing that. Here is the Absolutely. Tenth Amendment. Okay, it's one sentence. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectfully and the people. Basically, D.C., if they're yours, it's theirs. And you have to have it assigned to you instead of take it. Mm. And that's what they were terrified of a dictator, a king. Yes. They like legislative body, a democracy, a republic. And that's what makes the document so great. Oh, I, love, I like that. Yeah. You for, you refresh my memory on that. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> but I like I like the last part it. as well. The yep. people. Yep. Power yep. to the people. Yep. So when people think that they can make a difference, I always encourage them to get involved. Because Pete, you know, I met you through being active in the community, whether it was at a, a business event or a political event. So, yeah, we, we can make a difference. And as the Constitution says, the power is within the people and then each individual state that you're in. It, get out and vote. Get out and vote. Get out Absolutely, and vote. yeah. It's awful, Jimmy. Like, for example, you know, we have elections in November for the White House and Congress. Those have good turnout, like 65 80% for something really big. But you're electing local mayors, it happens like in May, less than 10% turnout. So none of 10 people didn't vote. Don't complain. If something happens you don't like on their watch, shh. You could have sure. voted. You could have voted them out or not let them get elected. You chose to sit on the sidelines. So get out there and vote. That is so true. Yeah. The people that are all the naysayers, the complainers, yeah. If they don't get off their couch to go vote, it's it's all they have no right to yeah, say anything. Exactly. If you want to get involved in a campaign, do that. Oh, yeah. Somebody, yeah. somebody thinks that's this better woman can change my family's projected future, better prosperity, better schools, vote for them, get out work for them. But don't sit at home and complain. Yeah, don't sit at home, eat potato chips and complain. Rather go out, like support a candidate you like, or go to a rally. Exactly, exactly. Or go to your local like political like event or party, whichever party we, you're with. Yeah, I'm not necessarily supporting any particular party, I'm, but whichever like your I values. Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, you know, Green Party, Tea Party, vote. Oh yes, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, encouragement from all ends of the all sides of the spectrum. Uh, but what I do recommend is do some research before you get out there and what that movement stands for. That's very important too, because if we blindly just join something, a join an organization which you don't even know where their values are at, then the, it may not entirely yep. make sense, and you may not understand what you're doing, which I I don't recommend. And most parties have platforms, but few members are lock, sock, and barrel with every step of that platform. There's not normally something that, well, I don't support that. I'll support 9 of 10 or 19 of 20, but that 20th one, that 10th one is something I can't support. You can do that research. That may be your issue. This is my issue. If you support the right to life, for example, and you don't 
you support abortions. You may agree on taxes, defense, immigration, whatever, but that may be your, just, like you said, take your time. Find out what that person stands for. If they stand for your principles, vote for them, work for them. And don't complain yes. if something happens after the elections and your guy didn't win. Give it a shot. And go back again the next cycle and vote again. Get out there. Vote, baby, vote. Yes, I like that. Always, in, I like to encourage people to get politically active and informed, especially with a congressman, former congressman. <laughs> who who best better to hear it from, right? <laughs> All right, peace. So yeah, do you have any future plans or current? So first, uh, do you have any current projects you're working on? I, I've seen that you've been pretty active in the community, whether it's yep. still political circles or business or just community as a whole, which I'm, I'm we're thankful for. Yeah, do a little consulting, Jimmy, for okay. a firm called Hans Scarborough. They're out of Austin and D.C. Okay. They found a guy, guy named Ken Hans. If there's Texas Tech Red Raiders on the phone, they know who Ken Hans is because he was a chancellor of Texas Tech for about 10 years Very nice. when they hit really hit their stride. And uh, he's a, he's, I like Kent's team because we're very small, we're Texan. A lot of these guys are multi-state, we're all Texans. And right now we're working on this flood issue. Um, FEMA is redoing the maps, the Federal Emergency Management uh, Agency. agency. Yeah. Every so often they get to do the rates for hurricane, the federal hurricane insurance, which is all the insurance for hurricanes is basically from the federal government. The, mm -hmm. It's a national federal insurance program. And they're doing a change now for the first time since 1968. When the program was started, it's like, that's a good change. It's got, it's got to be pretty old. And the idea is great. Right now, we we determine our, our insurance rates on flood zones, so big swatch of land. That's If you're away from the river, you pay the same price as someone who's on the river. That's kind of crazy. They're trying to that make, is crazy. Yeah, they're trying to make yeah. it house by house, property by property, which, okay, I agree with that. But tell us how you're going to do this. What they've told us, what we've gotten from them is, well, across the country, 23% of our taxpayers are going to have an immediate decrease in their blood insurance premiums. Okay, I'm a rice guy doing the math. That means 77% will have an increase. It's hot. And Texas is the worst. We have 90% with an increase. And so what's that increase going to be? How you determine this? It's been a black hole. So right now we're trying out there to get cities engaged because we can't carry it. If the people, like I said, we the people, if people call up, call their congressman, call their state representative, their state senator, call the White House and say, stop this. I want to ask them to delay this. We want to help you. And that's work on for basically from my position as a former congressman, but also I'm just yes. going around trying to tell people good things. Just don't go think things are so bad in America. I mean, for example, 9-11 happened. I little, did a little Facebook post I'm very proud of. A lot of people don't know that on that day we had some real heroes. You know, Todd Beamer there in Flight 93, the firefighters, New York, running into the fire when the building's about to collapse. But one that's little knows a young Air Force pilot, first lieutenant named Heather Penny. Her call sign was Lucky, Lucky Penny. On 9 11, she's at Andrews Air Force Base, just at work. Like you and I watch on TV, the first towers hit. Hmm, that's kind of odd. Nobody thought it was an attack, they thought it was just some, maybe the guy got lost or had a heart attack or something. Then she saw the second plane flying, and we all knew that this is an attack. We're 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 at war. Her commanding officer comes in and says, uh, "Lucky, we're going flying. We'll take it off in ten minutes. Another plane's coming. The third one, Flight 93, had, had turned towards DC, and they they were so behind him that she took off without any weapons, and she's ordered to bring down that plane if she encountered it. So basically, she's ordered to be an American kamikaze." <laughs> And uh, I saw her, I didn't realize at the time, but a plane zipped over the mall. I was working for Phil Graham at that time, zipped two F-16s right over the mall in the afterburner, right over Washington, Lincoln Memorial, it's boom. That was her, flying out trying to find that plane. And she had a, uh, a really extreme factor in her cockpit there because her father was a cross-country pilot for United based out of Boston. He mm. may have been on that plane that she was gonna take down. And they also talked her co-pilot out her or wingmen are going out there, they could not eject. They had to die because they had hit the plane. They couldn't take the chance of veering off last minute and not bringing the plane down. And that young lady didn't have to do that. Obviously, Todd Beamer, the guys on Flight 93, acted, grabbed the cockpit, saved her life, but they might have saved my life because I'm convinced that plane was coming to the Capitol. And so that's just another story about American, how great we are in times of adversity. Yes, yeah, so yeah, on this 20th anniversary of 9-11, we definitely want to remember 
all those that made sacrifices and then all the heroes as well exactly and yeah. so many unknown heroes I mean, just oh there's a lot of those yeah i just the other story because i was there jimmy i got home about traffic was just terrible they, you know, they could get across the river by the pentagon all the bridges were shut down just make sure the pentagon get, gets what they need it took me about five hours to get home my wife didn't know i'm coming back she said what's happening like there's cell phones are all jammed up i got home about two in the morning or two in the afternoon it's, God, do something man I'm put on my flight suit and go do something but i can't i'm too old and they started calling out for blood because the pentagon had been hit people wounded lots of blood supplies required wait where were you at this time i was in dc i was in a, oh so you were yeah, nearby yeah i was i was Very in close. andale virginia i was working mm. for phil graham then in capitol okay. hill yeah and so uh i drove i gave blood regularly so i'm gonna go get blood i drove up to the blood bank there my normal blood bank about 10 minutes from my house jimmy the line around this massive building was five deep, just circled the whole thing. It's like, oh my gosh, the place was, the parking was bizarre everywhere, but no lanes were blocked. They just found a place to park. Of course, as it got going on there with all these people, O positive, O, o blood, that's a universal donor, go to anybody. Mm -hmm. And so I have O positive. And so they're, go the guy go around, who's got O, who's got O? And I raised my hand and come here, come here. And so I pushed away through the crowd, I'm thinking, oh gosh. They're going to start calling me bad names, you know, hey, scumbag, wait your turn in line, you know, line cutter, and start pushing me around. They pushed me, Jimmy, but they pushed me to the door. Go, go, give your blood. I'll stay later. That was awesome. I was gone an hour. Some of those people may have stayed all night. I don't know if they gave blood. But the fact that they saw, they put the country, our needs, over their needs and said, you old blood person, go in front of me. Yeah, it's ironic that we talked about the division going on right now versus when we look back at the time of 9-11, yep. the whole country actually came together. Yeah, it was beautiful to see that. And I wish, we could, I wish we could have continued that, but over the last 20 years, the last two decades, there, there have just been some you know, quite bizarre changes in society and politics and I guess culture where that's slowly happening unfortunately we become very intolerant people who are like us th whether that's what it they is. look like or yes. political views i mean for example what we've lost in dc is we don't we attack people just yes. attack them for their views it's like listen this person we disagree that's cool we have a system to do that called the constitution democracy we debate we fight battles with words it fight heated battles with heated words i mean but it doesn't become physical it doesn't become hateful and personal either and pers yeah. yeah personal no i mean I serve with some people who are way left and some people who are way right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And some people think that person's a terrible American, they're evil. It's like no one I served with is evil, from Nancy Pelosi to whomever. There's no evil people there, we just disagree. Let's fight the battle with words, respectful battle, make your points. If you lose, shake the just like sports, shake the winner's hands and say, I'll get you next time. Yeah, good game. <laughs> good game. Yeah, you that's one. I think I like how you mentioned that, Pete, because I think agreeing to disagree it's key because yep. even like for example on this radio show if we had a differing opinion about some particular topic i'm thankful that we've agreed on everything up till now that makes this uh, uh, pretty easy but even if we disagreed on a certain like topic we could still get along yeah, we'd exactly. be good friends we'll test it go davy be there for us <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's still cool. Yeah, Jim was the Air Force, former Air Force. Thank yeah, cadet. You, cadet, yes. but he got hurt. He tried, yes. did his best, but a little physical injury and can't compete, can't get in the service, but thank you for trying. Yes, yes, and yeah, we're we're talking about actually the ROTC programs across the country and JROTC programs and how they're great for the for our young kids to to get trained and become strong leaders. What are, what are so can you what are your thoughts about JRTC programs in general Great and then programs. ROTC programs in college? Great programs. Yeah. I mean, teach these youngsters how to be part of a team. Yes. How to lead. How to respect. We talk about lack of respect. These kids have it. I mean, I see some of the unit their units and they're sharp as tacks. I mean, you went through boot camp like I did. Mm -hmm. Your uniform is all squared away. Your brass is lined up. Your shoes are shine. Everything's perfect. Those kids are the same way. They're in high school. Yes. I didn't care really about any of that stuff in high school. Yeah, me too, neither. I was too cool, man. Basketball, <laughs> the pretty girl over there, you know, what's going to happen on Friday night? These kids are put on uniforms and learning important skills for life, not just for the military, but how to lead, how to be part of a team, again, and they're amazing. And so that's just one example of what we can do in our country to get people involved civilly. And just don't be afraid to step out. Yes, absolutely. Essentially what... I feel like these JROTC programs do is it puts these kids like ahead of their like 
even own maturity that they don't even maybe quite understand at that age yep. when you're in your teens. I thought I knew everything when I was in my teens. Didn't we all, Pete? Oh, yeah, well, but, oh, little do you know when you're 16, 17, 18. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're still a kid. Yeah, Mark Twain said it best about his father. Remember the, for the uh, I guess he was a satirist there from like the 1800s. Very funny man. And he said, to paraphrase, when I turned 14, I thought my father was the dumbest man in the entire world. He was a stupid idiot. Dumb as all get out. I turned 21, I thought, how do you get so smart in seven years? And that's what I think I went through. I'm sure my dad will say, that was you. Probably your dad the same way with you. Yes. And I'm seeing that with my son. He's 21. He's coming out of the funk. But still, it's that's part of being young. You know everything. You're going to rule the world. And that's how it works. And luckily, the world shows you, nope. Then you get popped in the head by, by reality, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, my thing, though, when I was growing up is I – there were times when I did have the attitude, but I always respected people. Yep, yep, uh, I yep. think that's very important because, as I said earlier, I've always adopted the philosophy of you treat others how you want to be treated, and I still operate like that yep, today. Yep, yep. Yeah. For example, I was always taught playing sports. You pick somebody up if you knock them down. Football, basketball, baseball, whatever. And all the people just walk away. It's like, no, 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 there's not some sort of contrition. You're not saying I, I'm bowing over, but be a sportsman. Be a good human being. You knock them down, you pick them up. And we're not teaching our kids that. They're just taught to taunt now or just revel in what they've done in themselves, not what the team's doing. And something we got to change. It yes. takes some time and just some more moral character and maybe a little more faith, go to more church, because a lot of people don't even believe in some being beyond this planet, which I don't I mean Hindu, Muslim, Jew, Christian. There is a force out there that made this planet, made all of us. But ah, I digress. Yeah, but we can all still get along, yep, as we're talking just, about. Yep, yep. And Air Force work guy together. Guy. <laughs> we can work together for you know being a, a value to society. Yep, That's yep. what it boils down to. I'm really big on that. And uh, so, Pete, the so the current work you're doing, it's mostly political consulting. Is there some business consulting it's, it's as well? Business, it's business. It's business. Just, business. Yeah, okay. This was it's with government agencies, but it's business. You know, making okay. sure they're protected from these these uh, these regulations that are coming down. And uh, just, we're also working with some of our guys locally here who've been hurt by the current administration's ban on drilling on federal lands on, for new oil and natural gas leases. It's really hurting some states like out west and a lot of our companies here. If President Biden promised to have the de decision by early summer, it's, it's fall now. We're still waiting for the decision. So we're helping out with that. But again, I'm also just going back and telling good stories and make people realize that this country is the greatest country that's ever been on this planet. It be is. Be proud to be an American. Even, I don't care if your skin is white, black, yellow, brown, purple, orange, green, whatever, polka dots, where you go to church, how much money you have in your bank account, this country is great. Absolutely. Everyone makes a contribution despite their differences. Yes. We have more in common than we have apart. It's find out where common work work from that base as opposed to where we're part yes yeah, so my next question pete is you're still very young and very healthy and super sharp no. <laughs> just judging by how you're answering these questions today do you have any future plans in politics no i don't think so talk no? to my okay. wife but she, <laughs> <laughs> she i mean it's a tough tough road jimmy going up there every week to dc and being home being away from home for about five days a week and probably, you know, 40 weeks out of an entire year. Understandable, yeah. And we had some young kids, you know, they're middle school and early high school, so she kind of raised them by herself. We had lots of people back home who took care of them. I can't thank my friends, the people from Texas 22 for taking care of my family when I was gone, but it's a rough slog. We had enough of that. Just, you know, 58 years old now, I can still do a little work and you still look really young, Pete. Well, <laughs> you don't look 50. I got some gray hair there. You got none of that. Uh, I don't see any. Really? Uh, Jimmy, I see nothing. There. You got, I got this big forehead, too. Your forehead's not <laughs> quite that big on the TV. You can see it. Look at that. Look at that big forehead there. <laughs> Pete, uh, do you, uh, so we're going to go back to some current events going around the, the world right now. Do, what are your current, as a, vet, as a Navy veteran, what are your thoughts on what happened in Afghanistan with the Taliban taking over? Embarrassing. 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 I mean, one of the rules... You're taught from almost day one in the military. You probably learned this rules. You never tell your enemies what your game plans are. You don't give them away what you're going to do. President Biden did just that. Gets elected, says we're going to pull out by September 11th of 2021. And, of course, we did that. We forgot a uh, great philosopher said, those who forget history's lessons are doomed to repeat the mistakes. We forgot that... Russia invaded Afghanistan in 1979. 
big deal. We embargoed their Olympics, the Moscow Olympics summer, boycotted, terrible Olympics because America didn't show up. And that country, we got a little Charlie Wilson from Lubbock, Lufkin, Texas, got a little war started on the side there, got some money from the secret, some secret accounts and gave the fighters against the Russians some missiles to shoot down helicopters and the tanks. And so we've, we got them out of there. They pulled out in 1991. And instead of doing something to help them recover from that, we just pulled back. And guess what happened? Who got there? Osama bin Laden. That was his home base when he attacked us on September 11th of 2001. My point is, we've done the exact same thing. We've pulled out completely, and now the Taliban, who are saying all these nice things, we're hearing things aren't so nice, are right. in control. And that's, again, they're going to work with Iran and all their... Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda. Yeah. other terrorist groups. Well, we had the guy, the, uh, the ISIS-K that did that bomb that killed those 13 Americans at the airport. I mean, those guys will be there now. Mm -hmm. Again, that's what happened. We pulled out. We had to stay there with some presence. I'm not saying in base, but have those special forces guys have some drones. If something bad happens, take somebody out. And don't give a darn if that person's on one side of the border. I mean, I was down there my first term in Congress in, in uh, Afghanistan, and we're on this border that you, uh, the Pakistan, right there at this checkpoint. And the officer briefness says the biggest bomb maker in this region lives right there, 500 feet away, 500 yards away. He's at home. We saw him come home. He's in his house right now. He built the big bomb that blew up last week, killed 30 Afghan fighters. I can take him out in less than 10 seconds if I can do that. I can't do that, though, because he's in Pakistan. He's on, he's, again, he's right by me. I just, that's like Vietnam. The Ho Chi Minh Trail, all the supplies for North North Vietnamese were going through Laos and Cambodia. We didn't attack them because if you're going to war, you're going to war. It doesn't matter about maps. Get the bad guys. And we got to learn from that. And hopefully we'll learn from that and keep some presence there, whether it's drones or just somebody close by. If something happens, a bad guy pops up, let's get him. Yes, okay. All right, we're going to go move on to some more politics since you are a former congressman, Pete. And I'm sure you have a lot of stuff going through your head about current events as well once again. So let's start with your your thoughts about local politics, for example, in Houston and Fort Bend County. Because I know you're very familiar yeah, with yeah. What, what's going on in Fort Bend County and, and Houston. What concerns so me your, is— your thoughts in general. Well, yeah. a little rough, but the D.C. poison that's happened there, all the acrimony, just the fight, fight, fight— bad Americans is now spreading. It's spreading to Austin, it's spreading to Fort Bend, it's spreading to Houston, City Halls, the Commissioner's Courts. Guys, don't be like Austin. Don't be like D.C. I mean, Austin, you know, just list the people and don't just do the right things. And they're hearing a lot of cantankerous back and forth between cities and Austin. You're giving me unfunded mandates. That's what comes from D.C. Don't become freaking D.C. And so I would just tell people, take a deep breath Remember, you're here to serve the people, not to serve a cause. If it, you know, that is true. Yeah. It is. You know, yeah. you can be conservative. That's your that's your viewpoint. But that's the, the cause is not. You don't do the things you're going to do for the cause. You do it because that's the right thing to do for the country. Lower taxes, for example, whatever. But we've lost it, and it's even happening here. It's creeping down here. That makes me sad because for a we've seen some big battles our commissioner's court that break down on party lines. It's like 3-2, three, 3-2, two, three, two, three, two. guys. Every you know, time? They, yeah, every mm -hmm. time. It was mm -hmm. like 4-1 or 5-0. Get back to being unanimous. Pick what we, we agree upon. Don't find the things we disagree upon and make those the focus of our actions because that means the acrimony and dissension and not working together. Yeah, the I know the Fort Main County Commissioner's Court right now is getting pretty intense yep. with the recent activity going on a lot of people are getting you know, you know heated up and it's sad this pandemic it could have brought us more together we're fighting along party lines about the vaccines and just about you know little local things to these groups out there you know asking you've been vaccinated pushing vaccinations getting paid and you know blah 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 again that smells like dc don't become dc keep being texas people are flock here jimmy because of what we are oh yeah we're different from washington dc yeah we're different, and we're different from any other state or any other city. Jimmy, Fort Bend County is Fort Bend County. The proof is the census. It's happened the last two censuses. The last one that happened in 2010, 
Uh, we picked up four new congressional seats. All the people coming across America come here. We picked up two. Is that in Texas? That was in Texas. Oh, that's picked tremendous. Up, picked up two this cycle. So six in 10 years, those days picked up more than three at that that's cycle. That's huge. Yeah, because people love Texas. And it's hard to quantify it. We're friendly to businesses. We're friendly to different faiths. I mean, we don't care where you're going to work, uh, what your faith is, where you go to church. We like to give you a shot, less regulations, and uh, it's working. Yeah, and best of all, you can confidently wear a cowboy hat here. And, cowboy <laughs> and a belt buckle. <laughs> and yeah. boots. You can talk kind of funny, too, like say y'all and fix it oh, and yeah. all that. But remember, it's not water burger. It's water burger, like water. Say water burger. If you say what a burger, you're yeah. We're going to look at you funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bang Yankee right there. Yeah, we do have water burger, yeah. All right, Pete, next. So your opinions uh, about now we'll move on to Texas politics and then U.S. politics. Yep, yep. So the state and then the United States as a whole. Just your general thoughts about kind of what's going on. Well, Texas is still a red state despite all the press reports we're turning blue. We're still red. And uh, we got to make sure we stay conservative because those are the values of most Americans. When I say that, I mean we should stress less taxes, less regulations, Immigration policies that actually work, healthcare system that is based on the people, not institutions, organizations, or other things, and also strong military. And I tell people that most people, whether they're Indo Americans, Chinese Americans, African Americans, Hispanic Americans, whatever, all of them want a good schools to go to, a safe neighborhood, a strong defense that can protect us. And healthcare that's cheap, that they can afford, that's actually good, good quality care at a lower price, and something on the board that gets some control. I'm not saying a wall, but something that gets some control. But yes. we dropped the ball on all those things. And so, again, we like to fight. Let's work together. Yes. We, that sounds very reasonable. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I tell people, listen, for example, immigration, I'm opposed to people who can become citizens who broke the law. If they want to stay here and become a citizen, there's a process. It's a long line, maybe 10 years, 15 years, go in the line. But if you came here illegally, you kept a job here, no crimes, no social welfare, raised a family, give you legal status. Just, you know, no, you can't vote. You can't get social welfare programs, but stay here. With a, you know, because I've met a couple of these, these so-called dreamers, and none of them came here to vote. They came here for three reasons. Back home, they have a terrible neighborhood. There's violence and drug cartels control it. Number one, safety. Number two, schools. Number three, jobs. Voting, all that other stuff, I don't care about that. I want a good neighborhood. I want to have a good job, good schools for my kids. Let's help that happen. Let's give them some legal status, make them pay a penalty, make them learn English, make them promise not to take social welfare, but then let them stay. Take off the, the dark shadows of just hiding away because we can't do our jobs without them. Construction workers won't work. We can't find construction workers except from overseas. People work in restaurants tend to come from overseas. Not, not sure why, but we need them. Yes. So let's address the problem and not just make this vilified. Go with all these big extremes. Oh, they're all killers. Me get the cartels. Focus yes. on the drug cartels, human trafficking, and the drugs coming across the border. Not people coming across for a job. I mean, let's say do nothing but them, but just that's a lower priority. Oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. a big problem right now at the border. Uh, but I, I've, I've said spoken. this, I, I said this there, somebody's probably my party or other parties say, he's crazy. I can't believe he said that. No, Sorry, that makes guys. complete sense to me. Uh, are you going to go after you're crazy, murderers you're crazy. And drug dealers <laughs> versus people that are just trying to live comfortably? Like, that's just common sense. That's, that has nothing to do with political parties or even political ideologies. It's simply just common sense. Yeah, again, these people serve a big role here in our economy. Without these people, we don't have the people to do the work here. So... Have them, if they come across illegally, have them come out of the shadows, raise their hand, don't punish them except for, okay, pay a fine, but you want to stay here, you can stay here without legal status. You can't vote, you can't take social welfare, you can keep your home, get a mortgage, all that sort of stuff, get a driver's license, but you want to become a citizen? That's cool. Wait, just like the normal process, don't cut the line. Yes, yes. Um, actually, on my show a few weeks ago, I've had on law enforcement officers on here because I'm a big proponent of we have to have a nation of laws. Because if we don't have that, what do we have? It's anarchy. So I like where you're, where you're coming from on that. <laughs> he brings out the Declaration of Independence again. So no, I've always been a supporter of just law enforcement in general and enforcing the law. Because once again, if we can't do that, and if we don't allow our officers to do that, we will not, we will yep. not be safe. 
And there have been some bad cops. There are bad military people. There are bad people in churches. There are bad people in America. But by far and away, the most of most of these organizations, the people are outstanding. Our cops are the same way. Yes. 99.9999% are outstanding people who do their jobs every single day, do it the way we're proud of. And Jimmy, that's a tough, tough job. I mean, pulled over somebody who may have a weapon and not being able to just, I can't imagine some of the stresses those people have, yet they do it every single day and do it perfectly for the most part. But again, there's a problem. The media makes that be some big whole problem about radical cops, racist cops. Like, there are bad cops. I'm not saying all cops are good. All doctors aren't good. They're bad doctors. They're bad whatever. It's true. Yeah. Every profession has some bad people. But don't make the bad people paint the whole good, the good people. Good people are good people. And you said, you said right on the way, support the blue. The cops are good, good people. The firefighters are good, good people. Doctors are good, good people. Even the congressmen. I'm saying are good, good people at heart. They disagree with them, but still they're good people. Glad to hear that, Pete. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we can can never judge the actions of a large group of people from the actions of a few. Yeah, exactly. In any certain group. As you said, whether it's law enforcement, whether it's firefighters, whether it's military, even politics, or any particular business, a church, we have to take that as it is and move past that. Yep, yep. Pete, as a decorated Navy veteran, your highest rank was lieutenant commander. Is that correct? Yes, yep, okay. yep, 04. Yeah. Okay, yes, 04. And what are your thoughts about the current state of the military right now, the military-industrial complex? I worry just because our morale is being uh, kind of degraded because we're not letting them fight and not give the equipment they need to fight. And I'm not saying they want to fight. They don't. But they're called to fight on. They want to have their hands free, go across the border, hit bad guys if that's what it takes had the best weapons, and now in some areas we're trying to make them weapons of social change. Like, you know, having, well, I know we're having women in combat positions, which I'm good with, that's great, but you have to have the same standards as a man to fight combat. Like when I was going through officer candidate school in Pensacola, Florida, we had two women in my class, you know, had this obstacle course, you had the obstacle course, you run through that deep sand there, the, the bars there, climbing over the wall. The woman got to run by the wall and hit it. We had to climb, uh, climb over this wall. Okay, the battlefield doesn't care <laughs> if you can go around and hit the wall. They care about what you can do. So if a woman can, there's some women SEALs now, some women in the Marines. Good for you. Keep going. In fact, we had the first woman boxer from Marine Corps here, Ann Calazales, lives in Safford now. She got shot in the face. Remember that a couple of years ago? A woman boxer in the Marine Corps. Oh, my gosh. She proved she could do it. Let them do it. Same standards. Nothing, because the battlefield doesn't say women over here, guys over here, whatever over here. They don't care. They don't care. You got to fight. Yeah. But what you're saying is they shouldn't lower the standards to cater to that, which I agree with. Exactly. It's not a social program. It's war. At the end of the heart and soul that our organization, the military, is going to war. And those people should be able to fight the wars, not worry about is that person. Also, just it's, well, many things. But again, that concerns me to be weapons first. And they're also you know, doing some experience with green fuel. It's like, okay, that's great, but that fuel costs five times more than conventional fuel. We can't spend that money doing a social project. Let's use our ships with gas and oil and whatever we have to get them running. But don't do it with algae and all this other garbage because let somebody else do that experimentation, not our military. Their job is to protect our country, fight win our wars, kill the bad guys. Give them what they need. Sorry, bang on the test here. The weapons, <laughs> yeah, I love the, the passion, fuel, Whatever. It just drives me nuts. Just don't oh, same here. They're, they're yeah. not p- p- politicians, not political tools. They are forefighters. Respect them for that. Honor them for that. Yes. And, you uh, know, Jimmy, it's so bad. It was happy. You know, these guys come back home from Afghanistan and Iraq now. Their suicide rate is off the charts. Like 22 Americans who've been there are kill themselves every week because of PTSD. And I know that's why, because we're so good in the battlefield now, these guys are coming home with the wounds they've never come home before. They died in the battlefield. But my point is, these people are heroes. Let's do what they, what's right for them, not for politics in their job, okay? They go to injured force, whatever. Don't mess around with social welfare programs with our service members. Do that with society. Yes, if anything, uh, I've spoken with a lot of military officers about this. If anything, we should be actually raising the standards. So then we have the best military in the world and the best. I mean, we already do. But if we lower, if we if we are lowering those standards, our military gets weaker. Yep, yep, yep. It's common sense. And the bad guys know that. They see that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Our equipment's getting older. It's not rocket science. It's like if the 
let's say Harvard University, if they lowered their admission standards, it wouldn't be as prestigious. Yep. Same yep. concept. All right, Pete, we're going to wrap up the show with that's so an tips. Hour, man, that's going by fast. Oh my gosh. Time flies when you're having fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> we had a great time, Pete. So the next, the last question I always like to wrap up with is so three success tips in life to be successful. So. The three tips, Pete, I want you to compartmentalize it. So first tip, to be successful in the military, to be successful in politics, and then in life as a whole. Okay. See, it's for all three, actually. It's for military life and politics. First of all, uh, listen. List of people. Um, act upon what they tell you. you know, don't make stuff up for yourself. It'd be trustworthy. I mean, the other that day, you might... Commanding officer Bob quit on my squadron to get to fly the crew out there on your own, mission commander, all this stuff, a patrol plane commander, big exam, a three-hour exam, we just grilled you about the planes falling apart. You're getting shot up by the Russians, the Chinese, you know, you're doing this, what you can do, what you can handle it. And he's a naval flight officer, not a pilot. So the first hour and a half were just pilot stuff, like planes caught on fire, something been been shot, all those type things. He kind of comes up to me. If I take a little break after the pilot's grilled my backside for hour and a half and starts cracking his ducks. I got you all snapped for another hour and a half. He <laughs> <laughs> said, remember Pete, in that room there, there are two things that can apply to everything you go through in life to make you better, better leader, better human being. It's communication and common sense. So use that common sense, that communication, and then just be, keep your word. Okay. I, I love that. Yeah. I, I can agree with you on those. A hundred percent, two hundred percent. All right. Once again, former Congressman Pete Olson, thank you so much for coming to the studio with this for this interview. Great it was to wonderful. Be on the debate. <laughs> All right, for everybody tuning in, thank you so much for watching and listening to the show today. We'll be back next week, Monday, twelve to one p.m. And everybody out there, please remember to be careful with the her, the tropical storm coming in. Just be smart and, and be safe and be aware of your surroundings. Tuning. Uh, signing off. Have a good day. Bye. Go, Davey. Be there for us.